Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, we all want to love better. We want to learn how to love as Jesus loved, because that is the perfect love. Well, today my wife Beth has got a great lesson on God's flywheel of love, and it'll teach us how to love better and to love more like Jesus. So stay tuned. As Phil said, this is Beth, and I'm really excited to be able to talk about this lesson that we discussed last last Sunday at church. And the idea here is about God's flywheel of love. And for those of you who don't know me, I am an engineer. I worked in research and development as an engineer my whole career, and I love the idea of a flywheel. And I'll be explaining exactly what a flywheel is a bit later after the introduction. So you might have some sense of what that is, but I'll explain that. But I really want to do the setup first around why the flywheel and a little explanation and sharing around how the flywheel and God's love came into my mind about doing this lesson. And so as I had been thinking about the people I get with and the relationships that I have and the friendships that I have developed, I've, uh, I have an opinion that we live in a time of desert. That desert, one of the drivers about being in the desert is the idea of relational starvation. Relational starvation. And for me, I think just like most of humankind during these times, I've had some big challenges in the area of relationships. I'd like to explain a little bit about that in my last couple of years. Uh, I've been in Virginia for two years. I've been in the ministry for those two years. Never really thought of myself doing it, but it's been a big journey uh, for me and for Phil and for our family to move to Virginia to do what we're doing now at the Blue Ridge Church. It was a long goodbye for our lives in Ohio. We lived in Ohio all of our lives, and we left in the middle of COVID in January, and it was very cold on our driveway, on our driveway, And in front of our house, we had a drive-by goodbye party. I don't know if you remember drive-by parties, but this was about 30 degrees, freezing cold. We were at the end of our driveway. Cars would pull up, roll down their window. Masks were on. Card was given. A couple of sentences said, and then they left, and the next car drove up. It was freezing. It was not at all what we would have imagined for a goodbye after all of our years in Ohio. From there, we went to Virginia Beach to train to lead uh, the small church here in Blue Ridge. We went there for three months. We were living with friends. We were meant to help support people, do the ministry, um, teach people, love people, have relationships with people, minister to them. And the church was on lockdown. And so we found that over those three months, we were doing ministry on Zoom in the house with the friends that we were living with, or or we were doing it at most of the Paneras that were throughout the Virginia Beach area. And to this day, I don't know that I can voluntarily choose to go to a Panera because I get a bit twitchy thinking about the time that we spent, because it was one of the places we could be in that time of extreme lockdown. Again, we did our best, uh, but it was relationally starvation. 34 years in my career in research and development as an engineer, and I retired at the end of last year. And I had really, really good friends uh, in my workplace. I enjoyed my job. I don't miss the work, uh, but you better believe I miss the relationships. 
And so here we are, starting up a brand new life here in Virginia, leading a small church, not something we ever thought ourselves doing it, doing that. Can I do this? You know, I'm just an engineer who's worked on people skills my whole life of being more relational, being more empathetic. Uh, family, friends at church and friends outside of the church, even chuckling at the thought of me being a minister's wife. You know, some of those chuckles were pretty hard. Uh, again, more relational starvation, uh, emptiness or loneliness. And then uh, probably one of the hardest things over the last three years was our, our children. We have four adult children in their 20s. And them crying out out of loneliness uh, during the, a good chunk of the conversations we had with them over the last three years. Three of them started jobs pretty much during COVID. Two of them graduated from college inside of COVID and moved cities. So three out of the four moved cities started new jobs right around COVID or in COVID with two college graduations. Our one daughter who didn't is the one daughter we have left in Ohio, and, uh, and she feels, has felt, you know, abandoned and left by the rest of us. It was three years of goodbyes, change, loneliness, fear of the future, and weeping with our children. Again, relational starvation. So here I am now. I talk with people regularly about activation energy and moving forward out of covid and how challenging that is for us within our jobs, having to go back into an office on more days a week and how stressful that can be, with our kids going back to school and how challenging that can be for family dynamics, and especially on the topic of mental health across the board. I don't know anybody that has been untouched by the mental health consequences that have been caused, propagated, or just facilitated by this three years of, uh, of a pandemic. And within all of that, when I talk to people about their activation energy, which generally translates into some version of relational starvation, it can seem so right and so logical to solve that problem in two different ways. I do hear a lot. I can take this on myself to fill myself up, and I got to take care of me. And I got to fill myself up or I can't fill in the blank. The other one is I, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the other relationships to work or to give uh, to me, especially in the church. The church feels a lot more optional given, you know, we have to feed our families. We have to be, a, we have to be in our family. We have to support our children. And it can feel like just waiting might be a better option because we're so empty. Well, I'm here to tell you I've done a study on God's amazing love, unfailing love. And it may be a counterintuitive thought as that love being a source of activation energy, relational energy to move us forward. Not just in the acceptance of God's love, but what that God's love produces in us. It is the momentum, energy, and fuel for our lives. God's love is like a flywheel, and we're called to transfer that love to others in specific ways. I'm very inspired by this, and I found it to be quite motivating for me to fill myself up with God, and then I find myself I have more energy, and I discover that my life is moving forward in positive and affirming ways. 
Let me take a moment now to explain what a flywheel is. There are two very common items that you are probably familiar with that have a flywheel in them, a flywheel mechanism. One of those is a coaster bicycle, and the other one is an old-fashioned non-electric sewing machine. Let me just read what the definition is first. A flywheel is a heavy disc or a wheel that is attached to a rotating shaft. Flywheels are used for the storage of kinetic energy, and that's just energy of motion. The momentum of a flywheel causes it to not change its rotational speed easily. A good flywheel doesn't want to stop. It just wants to keep going. And because of this, flywheels help keep the shaft rotating at the same speed. So when thinking about a coaster bicycle, when you start pedaling, that gets the, the flywheel going where the pedals are. And then with the bicycle chain, it, it moves the back wheel of your bicycle forward. And if you're on a coaster bicycle and you've pedaled for a while, you know you can rest your legs and the bike will keep going. That's a flywheel mechanism from the pedal to the chain to the big wheel on the back, creating momentum. The same thing is true about an old-fashioned sewing machine. If you're familiar with those, they have a pedal on the bottom that you push down. That pedal affects a shaft and a wheel to the right side of the pedal. That shaft moves a wheel on top that's attached to the sewing machine, and that wheel is transferred to the needle, and the needle goes up and down sewing, uh, sewing your, your garments or your cloth. And what you know if you've used one of these sewing machines is if you, once you pedal it, you don't have to pedal it all the time because the pedal transfers to the flywheel, the flywheel transfers to the sewing machine, and then along the shaft of the sewing machine to the needle, it moves the needle up and down, and the needle can keep going for some time without pushing the pedal. That's the idea of the flywheel. We're going to talk about the three ways that God's flywheel God's flywheel of love, it produces amazing things in us. The first thing we're going to talk about is God's love produces love. The second point is that God's love drives unity and community. The third point is God's love fuels what we do. And we're going to take a look at a number of scriptures next under these three points in these scriptures, I'm going to read them, and then we're going to go back and take a look at it. Uh, where are we on the flywheel energy map? Where is the energy coming from God? And what does that energy produce in us? Just like a flywheel moving stuff forward. The first concept is that God's flywheel is through the gift of Jesus. And through Jesus, God's love produces love. The version of the Bible I'm going to be reading to you throughout today's lesson is the NAT, in case you want to follow along. The first verse I'd like to focus on is John 3.16. It's the ultimate flywheel love verse about God. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that who, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Again, John 3.16. It's the coffee cup. It's the sign at an arena, at a major league sports game. It's the ultimate God pouring himself out in the most generous, loving, forever kind of way in the gift of Jesus. 
that starts the flywheel. If we talk about a good verse that talks about what that love produces us in terms of love, a good verse is a good section is in 1 John chapter 4 verses 11 through 19. Let me read it. Dear friends, if God so loved us, then we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we reside in God and he in us, in that he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God resides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has in us. God is love, and the one who resides in love resides in God, and God resides in him. By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because just as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I want to take a look at this section of scripture in a deeper way. I want to speak first of the highlights in this verse where God starts the flywheel. God is giving to us in terms of love. In verse 11, it says, if God loved us. In verse 12, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. In verse 16, God is love and the one who resides in love resides in God and God in him. That's God pouring his love into into us. That flywheel of love, how does that produce love in us? In verse, going back to verse 11, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, then God resides in us and his love is perfected. In verse 16, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has in us. Verse 17, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence. And in verse 18, no fear. Because perfect love drives out fear. And in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. That is the perfect expression of the love of God through Jesus producing love that we have for other people. It's the flywheel of God to us and us to other people. God's love produces love. The second point is how God's love drives unity and community. We're going to be in John 17 in verse 20 through 26. To set a little context of this, this is the section of uh, the book of John where Jesus is praying his prayer before he goes to Gethsemane and he goes to the cross. 
I love this prayer. Um, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture and thinking about what was Jesus thinking about before he went to the cross. And in this section of scripture, that chapter is divided into about three, three sections. The first section is how Jesus prayed for himself. The second section is he prayed for his, um, the believers in his time, his disciples. And the third section, which is the section we're going to read, is Jesus' prayer for those that would believe in him because of his message. And I love this, and sometimes I imagine at that time when Jesus is praying that he is actually thinking about me 2,000 years later and my relationship with God through him. It's very special for me when I think about unity and community and what Jesus had in mind for my life. John 17, verse 20. I am not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they will all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them just as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you. And these men know that you sent me. I made you your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known so that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may be in them. In the same way, we're going to start with a little analytics here of the scripture, speaking of God starting the flywheel. In verse 24, Jesus says very plainly, I want those that you have given to me to be with me so they can see my glory because you loved me before the creation of the world. You know, it struck me when I was reading this recently that um, Jesus, part of his facing the cross was about him channeling the love, the intimate love that he had with the Father at the creation of the world. And what he longs for is for us today in 2023 to have an understanding of the depth of the love that Jesus shared with the Father when they created the universe. I want those. I want each one of you that's listening to this to be with me where I am because the love of God that was with Jesus when they created with the, created the world together is that amazing. I find that just amazing from a flywheel perspective. And in verse 26, at the end of that verse, it says, the love you have loved me may be in them and I may be in them. That's what Jesus' goal is in terms of us coming after him. If I turn that to the to what then how does that what does that produce in us? Moving the flywheel forward, in verse 21, it says, that they will be one. They will be in us. Verse 22, 
It says again, that they may be one. In verse 23, it says again, that they may be completely one. And so he is longing for unity and community. And Phil made a comment in a sermon the last couple of weeks around how how thought-provoking it is that Jesus' ministry was only three years. Twelve guys, some women, maybe the 120 that was in the upper room, you know, at the, when he was between resurrection and ascension. And he chooses to change the world through these imperfect people. His trust was that high. And when I think of that, the mechanism that he's longing for, for us to be able to change the world, is community and unity. It is the oneness that he is speaking of here that is his deepest desire for people that would come after him to move the message of the gospel forward. And in this particular passage of scripture, that oneness is in service of a couple of thoughts. One of those is in verse 21. It says, so that the world will believe that you sent me. It is in service of a lost world that will be able to see Jesus after he is long risen from the dead in the times we're living in today. In verse 23, it says the same thing. So that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, the world, just as you have loved me. And so that flywheel goes from God to us in the form of unity and community and is that beacon of hope that the lost world would believe in the gospel message. It's the perfect explanation of flywheel and energy. The last point I want to speak of is that God's love fuels what we do. Now, to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of a performance work-based Christian. Uh, It can be tricky for me to work from the place of being saved, of being in God's grace, versus working to achieve that. And so I will give you full disclosure that's not where I'm coming from because I am very sensitive to that trap. I'm not working to be saved. That being said, the Bible is pretty clear that God's love produces stuff in us. It is a kinetic energy that's meant to move us forward. And so I have three passages I want to speak to about God's love fueling what we do. The first one is my all-time favorite helps me reset my mind if I think I'm in a performance place versus a letting God's love fuel me kind of place. It's Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And he raised us up together with him, and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we can do them. Okay, let's go back and take a look at this against the idea of flywheel. What God does in verse 4, 
God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. A bunch of other stuff. Okay. Rich in mercy, great love. That's the beginning. In verse seven, the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. At the end of verse eight, it is the gift of God. There's no way around God's everlasting, amazing love that starts the fry wheel. And then how does it impact us in verse five? By grace, you are saved. Verse seven, to demonstrate in the coming ages, the wealth of his grace. We are meant to demonstrate something. In verse eight, by grace, you are saved through faith. That salvation motivating love. And then in verse 10, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. There is no question we are meant to do things. Uh, The good works that God's already prepared for us, not to be saved, but from the position of already being saved, having had our momentum created by the love of God through Jesus. The second verse, verses are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. It reads, My point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that because you have enough of everything in every way at all times, you will overflow in every good work. These verses are sort of go-to verses that we share when it comes to contribution and the giving of, of money. But I really think there's a deeper, more broader message here. And again, if we start with what does God do to start this whole flywheel, it's in verse 8. God is able to make all grace overflow to you. And how is that meant to affect us and what we do? In verse 7, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. And at the end of verse 8, it says, You will overflow in every good work. I think the giving is in context of a whole lot bigger thing than just a contribution. It is about how God loves a cheerful giver as we overflow in every good work, not just the aspects of financial giving. And then lastly, I'd like to take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 16 and 17. The Bible says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. It's a very short two verses that again illustrate this flywheel ideal. In verse 16, it talks about God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. I would say eternal comfort and good hope 
are in short commodity today. And the only way we're getting that, my friends, is through God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have our flywheel moved forward by our deep, abiding, and sustaining relationship with God. In that deep and abiding and sustaining relationship with God, it is by grace he has given us eternal comfort and good hope. Wow, do I really want that in the times that we're living? And what can that produce then in us? In verse 17, it says, Encourage our hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. It is meant to propagate the stuff that we do out of the momentum that comes from a deep and abiding understanding and relationship with God and his love. And so I have three practical suggestions for you moving forward. The first one is this week, do a study on God's unfailing love. I did this. It was very rich and it was the basis of these thoughts. It was really hard for me to choose these half a dozen scriptures to speak on today. Um, And I had 40 or 50 that I had been looking at, meditating on, praying on before I landed on these few. It was incredibly helpful, especially in terms of comfort, hope, faith. God has me. So do this study in your Bible. The second practical suggestion is to pray every day that you will be able to be filled with and see God's unfailing love in your bones, in your marrow, in who you are and how your worldview is affected. You want to be able to see God clearly so that it can affect the momentum that's in your day and pray for this sight that you can see it. And then the third practical suggestion is to find a daily way every day to take that energy and transfer it to those around you. And I'm not talking about just praying for people. I'm not even necessarily talking about texting people, although you can. What I'm suggesting is that you find a daily way to be more be more available than that. You know, get with somebody, serve somebody, spend time with somebody, give a lesson to somebody, pray with somebody together in the human being flesh together. Do something to transfer the energy that you get from God to those around you. Those are my suggestions. And so in conclusion, I hope this has been helpful. I have found that in preparing this lesson and thinking about God's love more deeply, it does help me to be able to love and to give of myself more freely. And in that flywheel, I do find that my soul is more at peace. And I do feel that I'm less in the desert, especially the desert that we've been talking about of relational starvation. Thank you. I hope that was helpful. And if you like it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org 
for more information.